Hello, I am Trafina Wilson and I'm a business and emotional intelligence strategist and welcome to the Gettys Leadership Podcast. If you are an entrepreneur, startup or business owner, then the Gettys Leadership Podcast is just for you. Every week, I will be discussing tips you can use to improve your emotional intelligence leadership, well-being and business. I will show you how to achieve success by using the tools you already have. Today we have a very special guest, John Jeromillo. How are you today? Good, yourself? I'm good, thank you. Welcome and thank you so much for joining. So you are a leadership coach and development consultant. You are the founder and CEO of Coach Out. You're a writer, you're a speaker, you also have a podcast called Coach Out. What I like about you is that you understand the need for personal fulfillment and you help people achieve this by achieving their performance goals. And you do this by helping them maximize who they are with the onset of tools, self-realization and self-awareness. So what um, inspired you on your journey? Well, thank you so much for having me, Trevina. Um, thank you so much for this invitation. Uh, what inspired me was um, as much as I've done everything that you've listed, which is just crazy because I have a lot of fun with all that stuff, regardless of starting a business or my education or any of that stuff, what the core of me is, is my, my parents' uh, experience as immigrants blue collar workers. So I started off in blue collar work. Um, and I would say that the two things that built me the most right now are the first two jobs that I had as a kid. So the first one at 14 years old was working in the housekeeping department at a, a hotel. So that was about accountability. That was about customer service. That was about uh, making sure that the standards are met. When I was 16 and able to, I went to work with my parents in their factory. So it was a lot of quality control, delivery, client talking and working and communication. So just based on that, I just carried those lessons forward that the customer wasn't always right, but you had to really pay attention to the, the product that you were delivering, whether it was a physical product, like a, an actual product or whether it was an experience. So those lessons stayed with me throughout um, my education and career. And when I went to college, I, because of the blue collar nature of my family and our friends, I didn't have a lot of exposure to white collar workers or careers. Long story short, towards the end of college, I finally decided, okay, I want to get as far away from the factory as possible. Not that there's anything wrong with the factory, but my parents wanted better for me. I didn't know anything, but I figured business would get me as far away from that as possible. And I like psychology. So I went into marketing. Fast forward a couple of years, marketing wasn't really covering it. Um, went for a master's in organizational psychology, which is really what I should have been doing the entire time. But again, I didn't have exposure to it. After I was done with that, or actually while I was in that, my friends were asking me, what is organizational psychology? Because I had never heard of it before I found that program. And I would tell them, and they would ask me questions and they would ask me, okay, so I'm dealing with this. What do you think? And it was just kind of like more and more conversations like that. And then soon they were like, I have a friend over here. If you could just talk to them, they have some issues that they want to work out, you know, and, and you like talking about this stuff. So if you could help them in that same time, I went to a master's of business administration. So everything just played out that the time that I founded my company was just, 
this realization that I was meant to be a leadership coach. So when people say, you know, follow your passion or uh, what's your life's work, to me, that's who I am. And it all stems from um, those first couple environments of working in environments where you had to make sure the quality was good. And to make sure you got the best quality, you had to be the right boss. So it was all about setting that proper tone in the environment to make sure that people had the right materials, the right tools, the right knowledge, and the right support to, to, to achieve what you expected them. Um, so that's really what influenced me in getting to where I am today and doing what I'm, what I'm doing today. That's fantastic. So then what has been the most memorable moment from all the work that you have done? I think for me, and it's kind of a, I'm, I'm, I'll always admit when any answer I give to any question is a selfish one. And I think to me, one of the most memorable is um, when I realized what I was supposed to be doing because um, it just stood out. It just clicked. It was kind of an extension of who I am as a person. So, I mean, what scares me the most about any of this not working out is that I don't know what else I would do. I'd find something, but this is the one that's closest to who I am. So it was that moment that I realized that this is what I should be doing. This is how I could help people learn from people. Um, and then in terms of other great moments, there really haven't been any huge ones. Um, the things that stand out the most that still get me to this day, that still give me as much excitement as the first time is when somebody says, I never looked at it that way, whether it's a client or anybody that I'm working with, I never looked at it that way. I never thought about it that way. Or you know how you connect with people on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm connected to people that I've coached. I follow up with them after our coaching sessions are done at 30, 60, 90 days, six months, a year, because I'm really invested in where they're going, what they want to achieve. The beautiful thing about LinkedIn is that you get to see things that they worked on with you and what they wanted. You get to see when they've achieved it. Um, I don't take ownership of that, but it's amazing that I was able to kind of play a role in that. And the bigger thing is, and I always tell myself, I'm going to put myself out of business is when I say that it was already tools that they had within them. They just needed, needed me to kind of point it out or call it out. So um, those are the things that stand out the most is just those little things. And I always tell people that success shouldn't be one major goal you have every couple of weeks or months. This is something that's come up in the last couple of weeks for me, really big. Um, but it should be something that's, you know, celebrated, little things that people understand about themselves. And the way that it came up a couple of weeks in these couple of weeks was uh, the class of 2020 around the world, not being able to have graduations because of the pandemic. My advice to them is, you know, don't, don't tie yourself to one major event to celebrate who you are, celebrate yourself every day. So being able to help people in those little moments, things that they didn't even think about, um, those have been the, the biggest moments in this career that I've had. And it is a beautiful thing to be a part of someone's journey of that self-realization. And like you said, them acknowledging that they already had the tools within them, but through the coaching sessions, you are able, we're able to bring that out of them. So why do you feel that um, leadership development and coaching is such an important um, thing in organizations? What do you say to people that don't understand the value that that brings? I try to paint the picture of how much the thing is people like you and me, we're going to see the value, the humanity in it, how important it is to get the best out of people. There are some people that are only going to see things as a bottom line revenue and profits and you know, all that stuff. 
leadership coaching can help both sides. You know, you enhance the performance, you, you enhance the attitude, the expectations, uh, the capabilities, the commitment of the people you're working with, the clients. And by empowering them, they're going to turn around. It just happens. They're going to turn around and be more committed, more focused in what they're doing. And you follow that out, that ripple effect, and it's going to impact the top line and the bottom line. So that, so to some people, you do have to sell it as this increases performance. You're going to see better returns. And to other people, you're going to say, you know, the humanity, that humane side of it, that human side of it, um, that's a ripple effect. So if you don't want to just look at the business side, the human side of the work, that's going to translate into your customers. So aside from what you get financially, it's just going to create a better vibe, a healthier vibe for everybody that's involved. So it's just important to, to demonstrate following out those lessons of where it's going to lead and how it's going to make everybody that's involved and wants to be involved better. Fantastic. So on your journey, what has been kind of one of your biggest challenges and how did you overcome that? Now, do you mean in terms of... On your journey to where you are now, you know, the, the amazing work that you have done, has anything, is there anything that comes to mind where you thought, wow, this is a big challenge for you personally? And what was the kind of process for you to overcome that? For me, myself, I think the biggest challenge has been, you know, aside from the everyday business stuff and getting clients and finding new work is when I was launching the business, I made the realization within the same couple months that my son, my first son was born. So I'm like, oh my God, I want to be a leadership coach. I want to start a company. And, and when I founded the company, I think my son was born within like four or five months. So um, with babies, obviously, there's a lot of attention. There's a lot of family time. There's a lot of commitment. So it was about really juggling what I wanted, what I wanted my son and my family, obviously, with what I wanted my my passion like what i finally understanding what i was meant to do and what's funny is that i'm reading a, a book on late bloomers right now um which i highly recommend for people that just find their calling later in life mm. but in terms of that and overcoming that it's just kind of what they say about how important passion is and how much whatever you want to call it some people are like oh passion is bs or you know passion's the way to go my take is whatever you call it whatever lights the fire under your ass, go with that. So if it fires you up, you will make time. So luckily with the baby, the baby went to bed early. My wife would go to bed early. So I was up from seven to midnight, whether it was recording podcasts, writing blog posts, meeting with clients um, by phone or by video, as soon as like that technology really picked up. Um, so it was, it was really that. It was kind of like balancing my loves of family, obviously, with the, the work that I was meant to do. But when you have that passion, that fire, remember fire, whatever word you want to use, you just, you make it happen. And, and I still find that to this day because my, my second son was born 13 months ago. So there were some priorities. That I, thank you so much. Um, there were some priorities that I had to kind of reprioritize and some things that I let fall off the business. I don't do as many podcasts now just because they were time consuming, but I'm providing just as much value because now I'm writing more. Now I'm reading more. I'm in the process of trying to get a, a teaching job, a job at the local university, um, an introduction to organizational psychology course. So you reprioritize based on what's coming up. And if you really love it, there won't be any excuses, any excuses. And, and if you find you can't make something workable, you just have to reprioritize. So that to date, thank God, has been the biggest hurdle, but it sounds hokey. 
but I've let my heart lead me to, to what I'm supposed to do and, and the fire just follows. I think you hit a good point there where you have to reprioritize what's valuable in your life. And the world has seen a very big shift in how they value certain things in their life. So for the people that have had a shift in how they are leading and managing, um, because the world has changed the way leadership is seen now, what are your top three tips um, for people leading and managing teams remotely? Yeah, I would say the first thing is remember your humanity. Um, and the, the, the crazy thing about the shift to the virtual, the remote world of working is that it's taking the lessons from the workplace and enhancing them because now the stakes are higher. The communication is, has to be stronger. The distance is further, but the priority is there to maintain that, that humanity. Um, I keep saying during this pandemic that this pandemic, and I'm sure you've seen it, Trafina, where you are going to see which leaders are worth their weight in gold, uh, which ones are looking out for their people, even with words. I always say to leaders, even if you can't solve a problem that one of your people has, you don't have to. People just, they're just as driven by just words of encouragement, um, reassurance, just saying, listen, I can't solve this now, but I'm working on it. Um, and it's that transpa- sorry, it's that transparency and the honesty that people really value. So I, I, I totally yeah. agree with you. Yes. Yeah. It can't just be all process. It can't, it just can't be all numbers. Society is changing. Obviously you've seen the proliferation of uh, social media. People see the insides of companies. People see feedback based on companies and the work that they're providing to the public. Again, what you just said, transparency. So People may say, you know, the emotional side, the human side of leadership and all that, that's hokey talk, it's squishy, it's this and that. But it's one of those things that just because you don't want to see it or understand it doesn't mean it's going to stop. So the people that do tap into it are going to move forward and it may leave other people behind because people understand which companies are going to pay attention to people's needs. Once you walk in the door of your workplace, let's say, you know, we're all back in our workplaces, physical workplaces. Once you walk through that threshold, that doorway, you don't become any less human. You don't shut that part of you off. So you got to tap into that. And especially when people are working remotely, you really have to tap into that. So there's first, there's the human side, be human. Second is empowering people, giving them the right tools, giving them the right knowledge, giving them the right trust. For companies that hire somebody and then just kind of let their skills fall by the wayside because they're not empowering them, they're losing money. They're, letting, they're throwing money out the door by hiring somebody and just saying, okay, you fit this job description, perfect. That's all I need. So the job description, the level's right here, but the person's capable of so much more. Why wouldn't you empower them to lift your job description to what it can be? And then the third one I would say is just streamlining the process. One big example for me is getting not rid of meetings, but the majority of meetings. Because I've had friends, colleagues, clients that say, yes, today I have six meetings back to back to back to back. Um, and they're drained. They lose energy. Um, there are people that love to, to talk, but they're not being productive in that meeting. So my thing is streamlining the work. Um, I find that a lot of people are getting more done at home because people are cutting back on the fat. Um, they're getting to the work and they're able to do what they're supposed to do. So be human, empower people. And while you have this opportunity, while people are working remotely, 
think about what you what you need and what you don't need. A lot of companies are getting rid of their locations just because overhead costs. They're saying they're seeing that production or um, performance is either keeping up or exceeding greater than than when they were in the workplace. So, what are the efficiencies to get better? So so there are a lot of lessons here, and if you keep your mind open, they're there for the taking, and the people that want to evolve will, and the other people will get left behind or will benefit because the rest of us who are curious will kind of set that example and environment for everybody else. Fantastic tips. And, and I, I have um, the same kind of similar feedback from the, the clients that I'm coaching in terms of the back-to-back meetings. I mean, where is the, you know, the care and duty for that person's well-being? you know, because they are very draining when you have them back-to-back and it's just recognizing do we need these meetings? Am I needed? Yeah. Is another form of communication? Because it's almost like some people have forgotten how they were commu- communicating before the pandemic. They've forgotten yeah. about email. They've forgotten about just having a quick telephone call. It's, it just seems to be kind of conference calls all the way through the day. And you've seen yeah. kind of that negative impact it is having on people. So I think your, your, your tips, you've highlighted some really good areas there. And I mean, people, people are keeping up. You know, they're, they're, they're surviving. They're keeping up with what's expected of them, but they're not thriving. They're working yeah. in what the work is, but they're not working on it. So if you have back to back to back to back, instead of just keeping up with what's going on, like what are you building? So I think that's a good question to ask. Mm. But I think also as well, that needs to come from senior management. That needs to come from the founders. That needs to come from the CEOs to say, right, look at your schedules are these meetings necessary can they be you know um, confirmed over email look at other ways where we're communicating it's not just through conferencing and I think a lot of people like you said are kind of like trimming off and we 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 evaluating what is important which is great so what do you think are some of the best practices for remote leadership well when when management or organizations decided to send people homes to work remotely. Um, it's almost like if anybody has concerns about that, it's not working out. It's like either you didn't set the right environment, you didn't hire the right people, or you didn't provide the right tools. So it's kind of like this mix of all these different things that have to be in play for something to work out. And people have to I think now is when you're really going to get a sense of how to best communicate with your people and your teams, which is crazy because you were in an environment with them all day long. But now that people are in their homes, and I've said this, you know, any, any chance I've gotten to speak in the last couple of months since I've been home, when you see like us, we just talked before about how our, our backgrounds are very plain, but some people you have bookshelves and pets and you can hear the family and this and that. That's honesty. Um, so that's there. You're going to realize how different an individual your people really are and that the work is not the center of the universe, that there's more to them uh, than what it is you expect of them performance-wise. So hopefully some of the best practices are, again, because you're human, is checking in to making sure that people are okay. I mean, do, do the leaders and managers out there that have remote teams now because of the pandemic, do they have a good idea of who in each of their people's families has been impacted by COVID? As a leader, how do you not know that? Um, you should know what's impacting your person's well-being 
let's not even talk about performance, but well-being and making sure that they're in a good spot. So I would hope that people, leaders, because my biggest, when people ask me, what is the foundation of leadership? What is the one skill or attribute that people need? I always say curiosity. If you gave me a field of options, what is the one first basic foundational skill that people need for leadership? Curiosity. You study your competitors, you study your process to make sure it gets better, and you study your people to figure out what it is they need to, to get the best out of them. So the best practices are, again, being human, communicating, making sure that you understand that there's a pandemic out there. And I mean, let's just talk in general, because I know a lot of people have different ideas of how dangerous things really are and whatnot, but it's a pandemic. So are you making sure that your people are okay? And I think now more than ever, communication counts for so much. So we just need to make sure that we truly understand what people are going through because it impacts what they're going to deliver to us. So we really need to reach out and make sure that uh, everything's okay. Everybody's okay. And their families are okay. And they can, we need to understand what's behind them. That's going to impact the work that we expect of them. I think that is so important to actually know who are your employees? Who's your team? Who are you working with? And not just have a meeting about just work. You know, a lot of um, the clients I'm coaching, I tell them schedule in a meeting and don't talk about work. Talk about what's going yes. on. Maybe every Friday, get everyone to like open up yes. a couple of beers, bottle of wine, and just <laughs> yes. talk about things that are not yeah. work-related and get to know who you are working with day to day. You're right. In a, a presentation I gave where I gave actual tips, it was kind of like, when you have a team meeting, pay attention, pay attention to who's interacting which way. Mm. Let them know that you have an open door policy. If they need anything to let you know, work-wise or personal, not, you know, you laying, them laying down on a couch and spilling everything. <laughs> but um, when you reach out to everybody individually, when you're checking out the progress of a deliverable or a due date or a deadline, don't just make it about work. Um, also check, say, okay, we touch base on this topic. Let me know if you need anything else, whether work-wise or you need to let me know how things are going in general. A random phone call just to say, how are things going? What do you need? How can I help with? So I love that you brought that up where it's kind of like, yes, we want to check on the work. That's the focus of what we want to do. But at the same time, aside from that, how are you doing? And you'd be amazed how much people open up, again, not too much, but enough to let you know that maybe they need a little more support. Maybe they need more tools, more direction, more feedback from you. It's amazing. what, And you know, as a coach yourself, what the right kind of questions can open up in terms of conversation mm. and development in somebody. So you put it perfectly. Just check in on the person when you're checking on the work as well. You know, the amount of times I've been head of departments and I have a team of people that I'm leading and I will find out what's going on in their family. You know, their daughters either getting married or they've got, um, they're studying for an exam. These just little things you take in interest and like you said, being curious goes such a long way because people will follow you anywhere when they know that you hold, you know, you, you know their value and you know that the work ethic is strong as well. So it's just, you know, working together every day, just these little questions, asking about their personal life, you know, what they're doing. And I think with this pandemic we're going through, it shows that we do have a life outside of work, which is so important. Yes, yes. So yeah, every, 
Sorry. They're not just a worker. No, I apologize. There's not just a worker. They're not just a number, but they're a character. Um, they have all these things behind them. You see them individually in their workspaces. So great point. Mm, yeah. So the buzzword now is the new norm. <laughs> so what would you like to see as the new norm? You know, what would you like to see as just, it's just regular now? Yeah. Um, I, along with everybody else that has, you know, access to uh, online and virtual communities, I've, instead of going out to networking, instead of going out to dinner and drinks with friends, you kind of keep an eye out and you see on social media, all the circles that you follow, you know, virtual events are popping up. So you go to these things during the day at nighttime. And because of what we're going through with the pandemic and because of that honesty that I mentioned that everybody's in their home and everybody's dressed, however, just comfortable, you know, we're not in a stuffy corporate ex executive um, boardroom or we're not in a kind of tense bound networking event. Everybody's kind of laid back. Um, and the buzzword for me for that has just been vulnerability. Um, so I've, I've gone to great speakers online, great forums, great conversation, great discussions. Um, one of them is through a, a local company here in Connecticut, Fathom, which is kind of a future design company. So it's future design for your organization, for your leadership. And they have a, uh, a forum that's called Create What's Needed. And they have a different speaker every day. And then the conversation opens up and it's only an hour long, but what I would like to see stay or stick around is, and I'm an introvert um, when it comes down to it, people are like, Oh, but you speak and you do this and you do that. And look how chatty you are right now. It's because I'm talking about what I love doing, but in general, I'm an introvert. Um, and I think in these discussions, these, these groups that we've had, I think people are a lot more open. It's almost like this, and this is what I said, it sounds crazy, but this is the closest that we're going to get, God willing, to the end of the world. You know what I mean? Like, if you can't be open when things outside seem to be that bad um, and the world is on pause, it's like when we get back out there, you got to open up. You got to be vulnerable. And the thing that I'm finding is a lot of people are becoming more vulnerable. I, I've, I've shared things that I wasn't too good at sharing before. Um, but if there's anything that I would want to stick around, it's um, not losing sight of how honest we've been with ourselves. Um, I don't know about you, if you've had that experience, but when we get back to normal, I hope people are just as open as when they were home, not needing people, needing that connection because of that. I mean, some people are, are by themselves right now because of that situation. They're opening up a lot more to other people. So I hope when things go back to normal, um, we keep that part of ourselves that we seek out those relationships, whether it's professional or personal, where we can be open, we can be honest. Because um, I think before this pandemic, if you tried to open up that way, you wouldn't feel comfortable. But I find people are a little more comfortable about it. And I hope they keep that confidence to kind of seek out the relationships where they can truly be themselves, be vulnerable and be open. Because when you're more vulnerable, you kind of let down that facade and you can really truly be who you are and you're building off a foundation that's more stable because there is no facade. You're not keeping up that, that mass. So that's, that's especially what I hope sticks around. And I'm finding as well that people are reaching out to other people that they haven't reached out to in a long while, you know, friends, family, they're learning new skills, 
they're yeah. doing things that they were putting off. Um, I have one client that is now skateboarding with her son, um, doing you know different type of things that she wouldn't be doing before because she was so busy with work. But now she's taking that time, one hour, two hours at the day to do things that she wasn't normally doing before. And I think people are almost having a reset. And like you said, yes. we hope this carries on to when we go back to the new normal and people remember, actually, this felt good. I'm doing more exercise now. Um, I'm watching while I'm eating. I'm cooking more. I know for me, I'm cooking a lot more, baking a lot more. <laughs> Yeah, and that's yeah. great that's that's my kind of like fun thing to do because it's really important that we have something daily that we're able to have some fun um I, this one company that's actually now having llamas join the zoom conference calls because they want to have yeah. some kind of fun <laughs> element to the meeting i saw that yeah <laughs> i did see that i saw that online where like you know there's boxes yeah. of faces and then the llama i mean <laughs> the llama. that's a that's that's an amazing way to pivot is offering the services of a llama just to sit there on camera. It's amazing. Right? <laughs> Very funny, but yeah. whatever works, whatever works. So um, what have you found yourself doing that you weren't doing before the pandemic? Uh, I actually recently started jogging just because I noticed that because I'm home and I'm not in the office, you realize how much you move in an office compared to when you're home. Yeah. So I'm like, damn, I really just walked around visiting different people's cubicles with my work instead of just emailing it. So my body was like aching. Um, I didn't feel good. So and gyms are closed. I think they're starting to open within the next month. Um, but I had to get out there and just start doing something and get my heart rate up. So, you know, walking with the family wasn't enough. So I just started jogging. I just started this week, as a matter of fact. Um, and before that, I was kind of shadow boxing. Um, right now I have my office set up in the basement and it's, you know, it's finished off. It's comfortable, but I would just turn on some tunes. I used to do Muay Thai, geez, before I was married, maybe like eight years ago. Um, and so I just shadow box. Like it, it, if you do it quickly enough, if you keep moving, it gets your heart rate going. It, you know, loosens up your body. Uh, it kind of sharpens you. So every once in a while, just to loosen up the body, I go do that. Um, and the other thing that I found myself doing that I wasn't doing before, which you just brought down, brought up, is uh, just slowing down and enjoying everything. So um, playing with my kids is a lot different. I love that you know they're home from daycare for now, so I love being able just to work and then go upstairs and just see my kids outside with my wife on their bikes and their helmets in the driveway, like in the street, just playing. I, it's so therapeutic. So. Um, these are all the little things that I've taken on since I've been home and, and, and that's all I need. It's really all I need. Um, I can't wait to get out and see my friends and go to a good restaurant and, you know, go have some drinks. But, um, yeah, I'm very happy right now because everything's kind of just slowed down and whatever you do, it's like a richer experience. And these are priceless moments that you're all, you're talking about, you know, with your wife and your kids. It's, it's, it's priceless moments. And I think it's nice because you're able to go and just yeah. enjoy the moment, which is, which is fantastic. Yeah. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. You're, you're just amazing and inspiring as well. And you're doing such good work. If Thanks anyone so wants much. to get in contact with you, what's the best way they can do that? Uh, they can go to my website, coachitout.com. Um, they can find me on LinkedIn, John M. Jeremillo. Um, I also will have a video series starting where a friend of mine, a colleague and I, she's a business strategist and a coach, 
me from the leadership side, we'll be interest, uh, interviewing creatives in our area just to kind of see where they came from, how they started, what their work is. So we'll be doing that. But the best way is just LinkedIn, John M. Jeremillo. I'm always up for a good conversation and people can see what I'm sharing. And my, my website has the podcast I've recorded, the blog posts that I've written. So um, yeah, just look me up, you'll find me and we can have a conversation going forward. Fantastic. Thank you, John. I look forward to speaking to you again. Trafina, thank you so much for the invitation. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And I hope this conversation has inspired you. If you want to know more or have any thoughts or questions, feel free to get in contact on the Gettys Leadership Facebook and Instagram page. You can also message me on my YouTube channel. If you did enjoy this episode and this podcast, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you for listening.